suspended Charlie Rose from the early show. Uh, a bigger deal is that PBS is um, doesn't have the Charlie Rose show on at all anymore. I don't think there's a chance in hell it's ever coming back. I think this is one of the those suspensions that will turn into a cancellation. I think he's completely done in the industry, which is a shame because I, I love the show and I, you know, that might be a different conversation. Um, it's better for America and for journalism to have Charlie show, Rose doing his show, right? Beyond a doubt, sure. But he perved too much. But he perved too much. And it was some real pervy perving, too. Yeah, so uh, go, go through a little bit of that from the Washington Post article for you. Um, and and we, we I just t- told you about the part where he would call these women at home. He called this woman at home knowing she was laying next to her boyfriend or husband at the time. And then he would say, you know, what are you doing? What are you, what, what are you, are you touching him? Is he touching you? Do you... Do- <sighs> And that's just so crazy. I don't imagine. I can't imagine what enjoyment you get out of that. And then, how do you freaking think that is going to end? Do you think you're going to be able to get away with that? I mean, he did for years, but right because he could. A guy that's smart, though, you can't noodle through. All right, if I say this, she'll react this way. But that's that's the sexual urge that makes people crazy. Um. Anyway, okay. Wouldn't you start recording those conversations as like evidence? Boy, that'd be a good idea. Boy, what a, a couple? Oh, no, of you, you got a you got your dream job. Your parents tell everybody you're working with Charlie Rose. You don't you don't want evidence. You just want it to stop. And a part of it too. What is she going to stop that and go work in politics? Oh wait, no, it's there too. Is she going to go start making TV? Show? Oh no, it's there too. Going right. to go make tech in Silicon Valley? Yeah. Oh wait, no, it's there too. Like where well. where do you go where you don't experience it? Um. So Rose soon suggested to this particular woman that they um. Oh come on, phone, damn it! Uh, suggested this particular woman that they tr- he wanted to see how they travel together. There's a good line, huh? For a boss. I want to get an idea of how well we'd travel together, so I'd like you to come stay at my house for a while. Wow. Interesting line. So he thought he would have her visit his Bellport house, which is on Long Island. They've got the emails, by the way, in the Washington Post. On June 18th, Rose sent her an email inviting her to his house that evening. As I mentioned, I'm going to my place on Long Island tonight to write and then coming back tomorrow for a dinner. This is an invite for you to visit. You will have your own wing of the house or even a guest house. Okay, you'd read that and think, okay, I'm going to have my own guest house. That's not exactly staying the night at your house. Well, and that message is designed to assure a woman of something. Yeah. Uh, That later turned out not to be true. You'll have your own wing of the house. It's on the water, plus Olympic pool. Wow. Tennis court. Plenty of movies and books and sailing. I run on the beach at sunrise and sunset. This will have no influence on your dialogue about work projects. How about that play? So you tell a woman, come to my house where I have an Olympic pool, sailing. <laughs> I mean, I run on the beach at sunset. I mean, how romantic is that? It's like The Bachelor Yeah. in terms of laying out what your lifestyle is going to be like. He added near the end of the meme- email, bring someone if you like. I'm on deadline, so I'll be writing all the time and will not be entertaining except for breaks for exercise and meals. Let me know before noon. Then she gave the following account. That evening, after stopping for dinner and getting lost, they arrived at the house after midnight. She did not see anyone else there. Rose proposed she choose a DVD of his show that they could watch together. What what kind of a freaking move is that? You want to watch a show of me talking to somebody at this table? What's your favorite episode? (laughs) Wow. Uh, That is something. After the show, which apparently she watched, Rose gave her a tour of the property. That's another see how rich and powerful I am move. 
you know, you know what that yeah, is. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if it's a nice property, though. Nice view. The guest house, she noticed, was packed with clutter, uninhabitable. Okay, so the whole I can stay in the guest house thing was clearly mm, not. A... Yeah, warning, warning. At the pool, Rose dangled his legs in the water and then said he needed to change because his pant legs were wet. Well, yeah, you, uh, you, yeah, you, you see, you just, well, you stuck your legs in the. If you sit next to the pool in your suit and put your legs in the water, your pant legs will be wet. Now you gotta take off your pants. Yeah, okay, okay. He returned wearing, you, you guessed this, I'm sure. He returned wearing a white bathrobe, which was open. He wore nothing underneath. Oh, my. And it just, the belt didn't quite work right or something. Here's my wang. This woman thought, quote, I thought I'm doomed. I was completely panicked. In retrospect, I thought of a million things I could have done. So she recognized right away, okay, I get what's going on here. Uh, She said she was not intoxicated. Rose had drunk his wine and then hers at the restaurant, and he appeared to be. I, uh, Marshall and I both agree that we have pr- pulled that maneuver ourselves, not for the same reason, but just because we wanted to take it. You're not going to drink that because we're not just going to let that sit there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but that, that's just reasonable. That's just, you know, I, not being wasteful. How is this an indictment? One, I paid for it. Two, I'm thirsty. So you're not going to finish that. <laughs> Plus, yeah, I have an unending lust for alcohol. <laughs> so I'll turn it around to this side where the lipstick ain't, but I'm going to drink that. So, our, our, but, uh, you know, point in Charlie Rose's favor. He was more in, he was more into finishing the wine than getting her drunk. Oh yeah, he didn't yeah, insist yeah. she drank it. Yeah, he wanted it. True, it wasn't Harvey Weinstein or Michael Jackson not trying to right. get him drunk. He Wait just a didn't want to. How the hell did how did I figure into this? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, so he appeared yeah. intoxicated. Uh, it was nearly two a.m. and she was exhausted. She said she also said she felt alone and powerless. It was the middle of the night. They were on his secluded property, and she did not know how to drive which is interesting. I started talking in this feeble and compulsive way, she said. I started talking about power, how the abuse of power can be. He completely lost it. What are you talking about? That's certainly not the case, she said. He then tried to put a hand down her pants. By the time he touched me the first time, he was already very angry, she said. I was scared, and I was also kind of frozen. After that, her memory is hazy, she said. She ended up uh, they ended up in his bedroom. I really, honestly, I've tried so hard, especially recently since I've been thinking about this, tr- to try to remember what happened between sitting by the pool and being in his bed, she told the Washington Post. I have no recollection recollection of how we went from here to there. I do remember I was crying the entire time, which is freaking awful. Oh, my God. This is your freaking boss who's drunk. You're on his property alone in the middle of the night. Uh, and you're crying. And, and, and yeah, he reached down her pants again, she said. She pushed his hands away. As she wept, she said, Rose asked her, Baby, oh baby, why are you crying? The encounter ended when he appeared to be asleep and she felt she could leave the room, she said. The next day, she said there was little mention of what happened. She described the previous night to him as a bit of a disaster, and he said, What do you mean? A few days later, she followed up about the job. In retrospect, she said, Remaining silent allowed me to continue denying what occurred. It was a state of, I was in a state of denial um, that I wrote to him about asking about the job. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So that is, to me, that story, he's done forever. Right. He'll never come back, and shouldn't probably. Yeah. Despite what I just said about we're losing a great piece of journalism out there. That's freaking amazing. It is. It is. I, I Yeah, I think I have time. I want to get into this a little bit, and it's not, this is not a Republican-Democrat thing. It's not a Clinton did it, so that's okay, or Roy Moore should get elected, or any of that crap. 
I, I, you know, I appreciate moral consistency, honestly. But Jonah Goldberg has reprinted a column he wrote in '98 at the the height of some of the Clinton flap, and and he's he's talking about this is contemporaneous now. This is in '98, talking about in the New York Times where they are scolding everybody who's calling Clinton a sexual harasser. Um, they create an army straw man called the New Conservative, the, the scolds. We're little more than a brand of church ladies concerned with only squelching sexual rights and everyone's fun. Sullivan's piece, this is a woman writing in the New York Times, shows how seriously even the most thoughtful sexual liberationists are about making Clinton a sex rights Rosa Parks. Quote, for the new conservatives, the counterattack on homosexual legitimacy is of a piece with the battle against presidential authority. Indeed, it goes farther than that. Not only is the argument against Clinton an argument against gay rights says Sullivan, it's an assault on abortion. The Lewinsky obsession and the anti-gay crusade are bound together by the anchor of abortion. That is the only reason people are objecting to Bill Clinton's sexual dalliances is to limit our abortion rights and gay rights. This was front page in the New York Times in 1998. And the only point I want to make, one of the things that makes me crazy about a lot of my my progressive friends, is y'all seize on these academic theories. You can so see a social professor teaching her young acolytes with their dewy eyes this wisdom that anybody who, who condemns Bill Clinton for raping Juanita Broderick isn't he, what he's really trying to do is, is come down on abortion and gay rights. That's what's really happening here. And you seize upon this rhetoric and you all believe it so fervently that anybody who disagrees with you is a fascist or whatever. I am telling you without fear of contradiction. Three-quarters of the social justice warrior crap flying around in the media and society right now, you're going to be apologizing for in 15 years because it's cooked up on the chalkboard of some university class. Some intellectual throws it around. It becomes fashionable. Anybody who's against it is a bad person. You demonize them, et cetera, et cetera. In 1998... What what uh, the Charlie Rose did, what Harvey Weinstein did, it was all fine if they were a progressive for complicated academic reasons. Bull S. God, the, the ideological fashions that come and go. Tried and true, my friends. So another Republican congressman has come out against the current tax bill. His name is... Tom McClintock, friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show. We're going to talk to him coming up next. Why is he against this tax overall? Among other things on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Let's get to the news. The White House has announced that President Trump will pardon two turkeys at a ceremony tomorrow, despite the fact that both turkeys lied under oath about meeting with Russian officials. (laughs) Uh, That's later this afternoon, and I can't wait. I think it's going to be some sort of entertaining show. That was a really funny joke. Mm -hmm. I admit it. So uh, I got to admit it, when old uh, Trump was running for president, well, number one, I didn't think there was a chance in hell he would win. But um, the idea of serious tax reform 
really appeals. We've been howling about that for years on the Armstrong and Getty Show, the absolute obscenity that is the United States tax code of special interests and loopholes and tens of thousands of pages and hundreds of thousands of pages of rulings all designed to really game the system. We thought, wow, serious tax reform, how great would that be? Well, there is tax reform in, Here's what you might- in, the, uh, in the works. Um, but I'm not sure it uh, is what we're looking for. And to talk about that and his ideas on H.R. 1, the House Tax Reform Bill, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Congressman Tom McClintock of the 4th Congressional District of California. Uh, Tom, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. So uh, do we have any serious tax reform coming down the pike? What's your What's your attitude at this well, point? It's very serious, and on the business side, it is excellent. Uh, you know, it's going to mean a dramatic economic growth. Uh, economists tell us about $5 trillion uh, over the next 10 years uh, uh, because of the business side. But the problem is they've completely botched up the, uh, the personal income tax side uh, to the point where a lot of folks, particularly in California, are going to be seeing tax increases. Now, most people will get a tax cut nationally. But the way it's structured, if you're in California in particular, a lot of folks are going to be seeing a tax increase. I can understand why you'd be against that provision for your own constituents. How do you feel about it in terms of fairness nationwide, though? Yeah, what's the counter-argument against? Well, hey, look, high-tax states can do whatever they want. Montana is not going to subsidize high-tax blue states. What do you say? That's exactly what's going on in the House, and that ought to be a warning to high-tax states like California. But I look at it through a different lens. I look at it through the concept of federalism, the notion that the government that's closest to the people should be making most of the decisions and providing most of the services. And therefore, local and state governments ought to have first call on tax revenues. The the federal government is supposed to get in line behind them. That's the reason why the state and local tax deduction has been in the federal income tax code uh, since it was uh, written in 1919. There may be nothing more uh, awful going on in the American consciousness right now, Tom, in my opinion, and I know you share this, that we become worshipful of not only the federal government but the presidency, as if the uh, executive branch of the federal government is supposed to solve all of our problems, which is just completely turning the idea of this country on its head. Well, And and as we've discovered, doesn't work very well either. Well, no, but people keep hoping for it. I understand, but uh, you know the, the the principles that founded the country worked very well when when, when he, we adhered to them. And in those periods of our history, when we've drifted away from them, things haven't worked out so well. And we're in one of those periods right now. And I suspect over the next few years, those principles are going to reassert themselves because they are the most practical way of producing a prosperous and happy society. I wish I was ten percent as optimistic as you that the, these principles will will ever drift back. So you're speaking of the time that we live in right now i'm looking at this piece on how you're you're a no vote and you talk about how congress has refused to cut spending and how spending drives both debt and taxes obviously true but i have felt like trump's uh a budget director mulvaney is that him yeah um, he he has come out and just stated look neither party is actually gonna cut spending we should, but they aren't. We've proven that time and time again. So let's deal in reality. The only way we can do is do these various things to, you know, increase business and try to, you know, uh, just get more money that Grow way. Grow our way out, yeah. I mean, well, isn't that living in reality that we're just not going to cut spending? 
Well, ultimately, we're going to have to cut spending because these are real dollars coming from real people, and pretty soon you run out of them, and, and particularly with the amount of debt that we are now creating because we're not willing to tax what we're willing to spend. Of, uh, we're putting all of that bill onto our kids. So he's absolutely right that if you're going to do that, if you're going to cut taxes while you're still running up debt and unwilling to cut spending, then they had better be taxes, tax cuts that actually – uh, increase economic activity. And again, the business side of this measure does it. The personal income tax side does not. But he's absolutely right on the other point. And that is, there's only one other period in our nation's history when we've carried as much debt proportional to the economy as we're carrying right now. And that was at the very end of World War II uh, when we had exhausted all of our resources of, of, of fighting the World War. Our credit was gone. Um, of, uh, and Harry Truman comes in. He, uh, in fiscal year 1945, abolishes the excess profits tax. In fiscal year 46, he actually reduces the federal income tax rate. He, but he also cut spending. He cut spending from $85 billion down to $30 billion in a single year. Wow. He fired, he fired 10 million federal employees. It was called war demobilization. Well, the Keynesians at the time predicted 25% unemployment in the Second Great Depression. Instead, we got the post-war economic boom. Boy, what so, a contrast. So Truman made those sorts of cuts. And if you guys, if you just mindless madmen on the fiscal conservative side, try to cut the growth in the budget by like a third you're, you're you're called out as as worse than i don't know slavers we, we or... close the national forests right exactly well, yeah that's actually, right we close the national forests to punish the people for daring it well the national force used to make us money before we impose so many regulations that you cannot harvest excess uh, uh, trees without enormous cost and that's why the forests are overgrown and dying but that's a subject for another day well when i was at yellowstone i, I rode a bison and the and ranger yelled at me <laughs> so i'm not going back we can we can cut Spending. Uh, you know, I, I serve as the uh, Budget Task Force Chairman for the Republican Study Committee, which is the largest of the uh, caucuses within the uh, House. We produced a budget that will balance in four years. Uh, we got 139 votes on the House floor. Well, that's, uh, see, you keep giving me hope. I hate when you do that. We, we like the current saying of you got two parties, one that spends and the other one that spends but feels guilty about it, and that neither one of them are actually going to stop spending. I mean, because it's... it's I mean, that's well, spending is pleasant. It's it's giving stuff to folks. Taxing is unpleasant. It's taking stuff away. Uh, uh, so we love to spend. We hate to tax. And the result is we run up enormous debt. And uh, uh, there comes a point, though, where it, it like, like like borrowing in your own life. You reach a point where you're carrying so much debt, lenders no longer want to loan you money. And, and that's called a sovereign debt crisis. Uh, uh, Venezuela is going through that right now. Puerto Rico was going through that before the uh, hurricane struck them, uh, and is one of the reasons why they are are, are you know uh, uh, prostrate now, prostrate now of, of uh, dealing with all of the hurricane damage. They've lost their credit. They've lost access to credit markets. If that happened to the United States, it would be disastrous. Economists are telling us uh, that within about five or six years, we're going to be carrying trillion dollar deficits again. Uh, and at that point, we risk a sovereign debt crisis where the market just says, hey, you know, you guys got to get your debt under control first before we're going to loan you any more money. We're talking with Congressman Tom McClintock. We got to ask you about the big story of the day, which is, of course, this whole sexual harassment uh, um, uh, awakening that is going across 
the nation. So we find out last week there have been a couple of hundred of settlements there in Washington, D.C. with uh, some of your co-workers, and the taxpayer has paid these settlements. How do you feel about that? Um, I, 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 em, embarrassed for the institution. Um, and I'm, I particularly feel sorry for people like Jennifer Flowers and Juanita Broderick and Paula Jones and Kathleen Wiley and all the people who came forward uh, 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 to charge Bill Clinton with sexual uh, harassment and worse uh, and and were called uh, trailer trash and uh, uh, other bad names. Bim- bimbos? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, the fact that, uh, you know, y'all, and, and I'm not grouping you, but Congress uh, gets their uh, settlements paid by the taxpayers and it's all kept secret is just it's a complete abortion, again, of the principles upon which this country was founded. Uh, but here we are, the most pandery politics I've ever seen and, and no hope of it getting better. Is there a Reagan-esque character out there, Tom, who is so persuasive and eloquent that he can say to the American people, look, getting is nice, paying is not nice, but we're killing ourselves here. Well, obviously not on the current scene, uh, uh, but, but, you know... Uh, uh, so you're saying tells, Trump's his, not his, that man? History tells... Well, no, he's... Well, you know, I, 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 <laughs> Don't I, I, go I there. have to say this. I think he has tried harder to, to reduce spending than any president since Ronald Reagan. And, I, and, I, uh, and, and Mick Mulvaney, his, his budget director, I think, reflects that. So, you know, I, I give him high marks. Has he been able to convince the American people of that, let alone the Congress? No, he's, he's, uh, he's not been able to do that. But his history tells us that, that uh, events produce leaders and at some point that leader is going to emerge wow that's an optimistic note from tom mcclintock congressman the fourth congressional district of california uh tom thanks for the time always good to talk great talking to you guys thanks again see ya i don't know why this popped back into my head so i'm thinking like if i was you know if i was not married and i was dating would i ever say to some woman come to my house i have uh this and that and the can swim in the pool and jump on the trampoline and we'll listen to an episode of the Armstrong and Getty show. <laughs> I'll let you choose which is your favorite. Jump <laughs> jump on the trampoline? Well, I don't have an Olympic sized pool. Right. Well indeed. <laughs> Uh, oh. uh, going with the uh, Charlie oh. Rose book of getting over with chicks. Huh? <laughs> we could listen to an episode of the Armstrong and Getty show sure. together. And yeah. then swim in the horse trough. <laughs> and then... Uh, I'll put my pants in the pool, and then I'll have to remove them because they're wet. I like to jog among the goats at sunrise and sunset. In all seriousness, I work with guys who invite women over to come and listen to their air checks. Hey, want to have some wine and listen to my air checks? This is is where I give the time and temp, but I mess up the temp and have to correct that this is good. Uh, 72, 73 degrees, getting warmer outside, tell you what. Yes. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> God, That's pathetic. a maneuver. American men, look at yourselves. Look at the way you're coming off. Never mind the federal you know, budget crisis. We have a manhood crisis. Is no one a gentleman anymore? Whatever happened to the high road? You know, pretty interesting. I thought Tom McClintock was not willing to engage in the, 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 the sexual part of it very much. No. Now, I, I wonder why. What do you does, mean? Oh, does he have too many friends he thinks might? Uh... No, I just think he was staying on message. Listen to you. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. Nice leap. 
It's not too late for you to get into the Olympics, track and field. <laughs> nice leap. He didn't want to talk about the sexy stuff, so he's covering for somebody. How dare you, sir? How dare you? It just seemed like he didn't want to discuss what is the hottest topic in America right no. now. And, and certainly a, a major problem in Washington, D.C., Hundreds of settlements, taxpayer paying it out, nothing to say on that. He said, he, that what, 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 nothing to say. He said it's an embarrassment for the entire institution. God, I, I tell you what, you got plenty of rope, go ahead and hang yourself. I'm moving my microphone away from my mouth now. <laughs> I'm not bailing you out anymore. I just think uh, go on. he was hesitant to expand oh. on that topic very much at all. Which probably means he was molesting someone right then, no, right? No. In your world? No. In your no, world? No. no I don't think that at all. Have you seen any witches? Oh. You want to string up any witches? You want to come to my house and watch me uh, write legislature? legislation? Legislation? <laughs> <laughs> you want to look at this AB 135? I wrote that paragraph right there. Give him the old crusty paw. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think Charlie that at all. Rose? Just, oh. All right, then. Oh. I just think... Uh-oh. I I think that there is a reckoning about to come for D.C. that is going to be ugly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The more power, the more opportunity, the more exploitation of that power. And, and this is not limited to sex, by the way. Think about it. You know, power corrupts, man. Yeah, it's there's going to be an explosion out of D.C. And I doubt anybody's looking forward to it because it's going to be ugly. Except they've crafted rules and laws to protect themselves. Huh, how about that? If this is indeed the tip of the iceberg for the entertainment government sports world on this whole sex thing, well, then where could I mean, the tip of the iceberg, it's amazing the list of people that have been brought down the last couple of weeks. Oh, my God, this is man on a buffalo. Guy on a buffalo. Guy on a buffalo. The guy on the buffalo was cruising around through the plains. This is Joe on the bison. And he thought to himself, oh, man, I gotta get away. Why was that not a bigger hit? (laughs) What's coming up your news, Bartolome? Harassment charges and denials flying this morning, and we have a Rand Paul attack update coming up minutes from now. Armstrong, oh yeah, yeah, I think that twenty's coming my way. Oh really? More and more evidence mounting. Yeah, it's a lawn care dispute. (laughs) Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. If a Charlie Rose is doing this, it could be anybody. Glanced up at the TV, the dish guy. Who knows? Anybody. Could be anybody. How Why are we watching the dish channel? I don't know. I already know how to run my remote. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, apparently. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Now, Charlie Rose's colleagues reeling as the CBS This Morning reports on the suspension of one of its co-hosts. Nora O'Donnell says it's a time of reckoning for bad-behaving men. Well, Gail King says the Washington Post story on Rose 
doesn't match the man she knows. Charlie does not get a pass here. He doesn't get a pass from anyone in this room. We are all deeply affected. We are all rocked by this. PBS also suspending Rose from his nightly interview show following the reports of sexual misconduct by the 75-year-old journalist. Listen, I'm all about justice. The next eight Charlie Rose shows have to be him interviewing his victims with some sort of ombudsman standing by in case he gets, like, accusatory or or, or bitchy or, or whatever. Just make him Or tries to give there. him the crusty paw. Oh, boy. Make him sit there and, and, and admit to his sins. And then have him go back to interviewing people. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one because, like, like I keep saying, the world is not better without him doing his journalism. The world is not better without <laughs> We're better with him. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, longtime Michigan Representative John Conyers says flatly he denies sexual harassment settlement, says he did not settle any claims made by staffers, knows nothing of them. This after BuzzFeed reported the longest serving member of Congress allegedly used $27,000 in taxpayer money to settle sexual misconduct claims. Money paid out to a staffer to stay quiet after she got fired from a staff for refusing his sexual advances. Now, Conyers says... He did not pay any of that money. No, he didn't. I did. Right. Nice. You're not even a good liar. Yeah, there's a fund. There's a slush fund y'all have, so the taxpayers pay your settlements. Isn't it just a matter of days until that entire list comes out? I would think. He's the first one of the couple hundred on the list to have leaked out. It's it's just, we're going to get the whole list. Still, just just, uh, for the sake of the argument here, going back to... Uh, da, da, da. 2012, during his 48 years on Capitol Hill, John Conyers hasn't had to worry much, uh, blah, 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 because he's in a safe district. But a series of scandals and family problems have taken their toll, blah, blah, blah. His wife and business partner are serving a 37-month federal prison sentence after pleading guilty to bribery and conspiracy charges, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And this article goes on and on. This guy is three different kinds of crook. And he just gets elected over and over again. Well, it's still a bit of a... Mi- oh, where? Who, who's got the 20? The 20 is still being held in escrow. The 20 that uh, we uh, you bet on uh, Rand Paul's That's attack. right. I, Joe, said it yeah. was an upscale lawn dispute. Oh, yeah. ULD. All right. And I was saying that can't possibly be happening. There's no way that, like, grown, successful men would come to blows nearly killing a guy over lawn clippings or whatever the problem was. Well, Senator Rand Paul's neighbor did attack him earlier this month. Blindside attack broke six of his ribs. GQ magazine now says it may indeed have been because neighbor Rene Boucher thought Paul kept his grass too short. Not only that, but he blew the grass clippings outward yes. onto this Boucher's lawn. Yes. And he went to him. He said, listen, can you cut inward so it doesn't blow my clippings onto your lawn? Rand Paul ignored him. He grew some trees that blocked his lake view, and he just would not go along with the HOA's lawn care requirements. And so he hated him. And for so, it. being a sociopath, he nearly uh, killed the guy. Being a man who values lawn care. Wow, I don't know. I, I actually think this should do you more harm in in a in a courtroom. Yeah. You're willing to hurt somebody this bad over that? Okay, if he was, you know, getting with your wife, then we got maybe, okay, crime of passion. We understand a lot of people would do that. It said he's got a bit of small man syndrome going on, too. He's, he's a, a little tough guy. 
Mm. He doesn't take no crap from nobody. Oh, you are a tough guy. You blindsided a guy with headphones on. That's very tough. Short man doesn't like short grass. That's your news. Uh-huh. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice. Can't see over it. Of the West. Way to sum it up. <laughs> keeps getting lost in Rand Paul's yard. No, he thinks Rand Paul keeps it too short. Oh, it's too short. Yeah, I keep it at about three inches. Look at your grass. How short is that? I don't know. God, d- don't let that sort of thing ruin your life, make you that upset. You just, you know, you only get so many days on Earth. There's plenty of things to be upset about if you like being upset. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. Oh, Gene Simmons banned from Fox News. Coming up. Oh, that's right. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Michael, why don't you come over to my place? We'll uh, work on tomorrow's show together, and uh, I'll take a shower and uh, probably leave the door open and then call to you repeatedly (laughs) for you to come and talk to me about, you know, if we're going to do the bit uh, with the Clinton clips, we got to have the clips in order. So uh, come while I shower. Let's talk about it. Ladies and gentlemen, the ever-classy Charlie Rhodes. Or Charlie Rose, rather. What's that, Michael? No, I would invite you to my place. We could watch basic cable. (laughs) It does. So now you're going to shower in front of me. So, yeah, that was his playbook. He'd regularly take showers <laughs> where people could see him. Yeah. And then he'd come out and say, did you see me taking the shower? No, they did, but they yeah. tried to pretend they didn't. Yeah, He'd be bummed. <laughs> and he'd be bu- or he would yell from the shower, hey, Linda, could you come here, Linda? Linda, Linda, hey, come here for a second. And then he'd come out and say, did you not hear me yelling? No, I, I didn't hear that. Right, right. <sighs> Because he was trying to get him to come in the bathroom and see him in the shower. Woman after woman after woman, they said it was practically a ritual. Oh, God. And then he'd put the old CP on him, <laughs> the crusty paw. One of them talked about how he, he came out of the shower completely naked. She was 21, I think. Wow. Completely naked. And uh, she's standing next to him and talking to him. And can she can see out of the corner of his eye that, he's, that it, she sees flesh, you know. Right. She can tell he's naked, so she doesn't turn her head. Yeah. And then he just keeps talking, and finally he walks away <laughs> completely naked. Wow. There are reports that. Can you Gene, know, what? Our producer, one of our producers, mentioned yesterday his long, spindly fingers and bloodshot eyes. Who? Charlie Rose. Oh. <laughs> you got a picture of that. I mean, we saw him at the convention. He's older than he looks on TV. Oh, yeah. He's, he's like got tons of makeup over on and him. he looks 150. And you picture that naked guy with his long, spindly fingers and his bloodshot eyes S- leaning over you. <laughs> oh, my God. Smithers. And what do his nether regions look like? That's oh, got to be a oh, horror show. Stop. It's a sick enough. What's the matter with you? Some, seriously. At long last, sir. Have you no sense of decency? Oh, my God. Rocker Gene Simmons of KISS, banned for life from Fox News. You can rock and roll all night and party every day, but you can't do it here. Apparently, he uh, he showed up. Why he was there, while he was there, 
Kiss's heyday in the mid-70s, He right? barged into a staff meeting, ripped his shirt open, told a few Michael Jackson jokes, and jested about the lack of intelligence of two employees, then left. And he well, has been banned for life. Well, you may be fair, but you sound unbalanced. Um, <laughs> he has issued an apology and says the, uh, the incident was highly exaggerated and misleading. I've appeared frequently over the years on various Fox News and Fox Business programs and have a tremendous amount of respect for the talented women and men who work there. I'm sincerely sorry, blah, blah, blah. Listen, you can bust in here and rip your shirt open and tell Michael Jackson jokes, but don't call our employees stupid. Now get out and take your tongue with you. All right, that's fine. What was ignorant he? fool? He, you know what, Jacko? Yeah, again, how did you get dragged into this? What? It, even dying couldn't get you out of you know the the the, the jokey mind of the uh, the boorish rock star type. Um, Gene Simmons doesn't drink or do drugs. Never has. Oh yeah, he's one of those guys. Yes, yeah, him so, and Trump. So he's high on life, I guess, and just wanted to again. Bust into a meeting, rip his shirt open, tell a few Michael Jackson jokes, make fun of the employee's stupidity, and then leave. Nice job. Nice job. The story you recounted about Charlie Rose and the woman, this texter says, yes, creepy but not illegal, has happened to 99 out of 100 women. Really? Which story? Really? I don't know. The naked you, you're talking about stuff? the one where you end up in bed and he's all over you and you're you're scared because he's yelling at you? And you're crying the whole time? That happens to 99 out of 100 women? I and hope not. And he's your boss? I sure hope not. Yikes. He's drunk and yelling at you and, cu- and coming on to you and you're at his house in the middle of nowhere. I hope that doesn't happen to 99 out of 100 women. You know what's coming down the line is more sexual harassment training for oh, everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a perfect example of that. An entire afternoon sitting listening to somebody drone on. The direction it may be going, according to Mika Brzezinski of MSNBC. Oh, no. Yeah, this affects all of us, even if you're not a pervo. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.